the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Luke. God sent Jesus, the Messiah, down, being born to Mary and Joseph. He lived a normal life, marked by obedience to God's word, and grew up in the town of Nazareth. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptizer and was led by the Spirit of God to a desert wilderness to fast for 40 days where Satan would tempt him. He then returned to Nazareth, teaching in the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus taught from the scroll of Isaiah that he was the prophesied Messiah, sent forth to set people free from their sins. The Jewish leaders and people rejected him. Jesus came to the city of Capernaum. He taught in the synagogues on Sabbath days. One day, while he was teaching, a man with an unclean spirit came to him, crying out, Jesus had the power to save this man and cast out the demon from him. We join Pastor Will in Luke chapter 4, verse 35. Verse 35. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold your peace and come out of him. I love the word there, rebuke. It means to express strong disapproval. That's what it means. He looked over at me and goes... I'm not happy with the way this is going. You're going to stop now. The man and the demon influencing him had done exact, the exact opposite thing that Jesus wanted in this service. Jesus didn't want everyone on a Messiah is here to judge the world trip. That's not, he didn't want that bandwagon to start because people are ready to jump on that one. People are ready to jump on it today. Get rid of everybody, right? Everybody except us. But that's not the Lord's heart. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy. I came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to rescue. And so he didn't want this idea starting. He wanted to teach him about salvation from sin. So Jesus says, you are so far off, buddy. I'm not here to destroy anybody. And so he says, I'm putting an end to this interruption. He says, hold your peace, which in our modern vernacular means shut up. Be quiet, be muzzled, be gagged, and come out of him. I'm done with you. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, again, I have to, special effects have changed the way we view things today. And so I'm, here's this guy, I know who you are. And he's like, shut up. And the guy's like, ah, you know, just flies, flies into the middle of the synagogue, you know, and, you know, lays there for a bit, you know. <laughs> the word there, thrown, means to experience convulsions. You know, I, I, I don't know why, and, and, and you know, I'll call it an exorcism. I don't know what else to call it, but I don't know why it caused convulsions. I do know that when angels interact with human beings, it takes a physical and emotional toll on them. Daniel was sick for three weeks after interacting with a a, a faithful angel, a good one who had been brought to him. I mean, he was sick. He couldn't get out of bed for three weeks. So this is not a surprising reaction as Jesus is telling this thing to leave that it takes a physical and emotional toll on the guy, the convulsions. But what I love here is note 
the ending point. Luke's a doctor. He's thinking about this situation. He's going, this guy's got a demonic influence inside of him, possessing him, and he comes out pretty violently. And what, how'd the guy, did he break an arm? Did he, you know, is he okay? And the guy, person he's interviewing says, no, nah, man, dude was fine. After he, after he kind of stopped shaking, he got up and went back and sat down. Jesus was in control the whole time. Despite the trauma, Jesus didn't let the demon hurt this man. He's in full control. And his love for this man was strong despite the unholy interruption, that he didn't allow harm to come to him. Now, what is interesting about this story is we don't know if the man ever came to faith. We don't. And I think it's open-ended for us because I think the Lord challenges us. He's like, I, I want to do a work in your life. And you may even be able to look back at your life and you can see things that where God's been real. He's made himself known. But, you know, if, if you don't respond to that, that's, that's on you. You know, the Lord, he doesn't tell us what happened because that choice is laid before every single one of us too. I mean, he didn't save us from a demon, but certainly the Lord has revealed himself to us in clear ways. Now, as you can imagine, this had quite an impact on everybody who was there and saw it. The, the, the synagogue in Capernaum is quite large. They said that thousands of people could fit into it. I've been to it. When we went to Israel, we go there in Capernaum. I don't know if thousands could fit into it, but it is a large building, and, uh, and it had windows and pillars on the side, so I imagine people could have been gathered around. But people saw it. A lot of people saw it. And it says in verse 36, they were all amazed. Literally means amazement fell upon everyone. The word amazement means wonder mingled with a bit of fear. When you, you see God do things like that, there is a little bit of that reverence that's inside of you because you're kind of aware of your own self. You think, I don't know if I have a demon, but I wasn't very kind to my wife last night and I wonder if he's going to get me today. <laughs> you know? I often would come to church like that. I'd be like, oh man, I don't know. I, know, I, know, I don't know what the pastor's going to preach on, but I know the Holy Spirit's real and he knows everything going on inside my heart. And sure enough, the Lord would deal with me so many times. He'd bust me. I'd be like, nobody knew. How did, you, how did that guy, the preacher, know? I have people come back and they'll say that to me. They go, how did you know? And I go, what do you mean? So, well, you talked about me today. So I didn't know about you today. But the one who knows everything did. They said they were all amazed and they spoke amongst themselves saying, what a word this is. We've never seen or heard something like this before. Why? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. It was clear to them that God had given Jesus the right and the ability to do things that nobody else could. That's what that word authority and power means. Authority refers to the right to act, jurisdiction. Jesus had been given jurisdiction to deal with these guys. He'd been given that authority, the right to act, and then the power to do it. That's what that word power means, the dunamis. He'd been given the supernatural ability to do what he intended to do. That's not something that anybody else had. And so that shook folks up a bit. Jesus was turning out to be more than just an awesome rabbi. So he becomes the talk of the town even more. And the fame of him went, went out into every place of the country round about. Will Ramirez can't tell demons what to do. Will Ramirez can't teach the Bible in a way that will change lives. Will Ramirez can't heal a person's illness. Neither can any other human being. But when Jesus is ex exercising his authority and power through you or me, nothing's impossible. Not cancer, not that thing that's held, that addiction that's held that person you love and that's in, held them in bondage for years and years. Nothing. Nothing's impossible for God. When he wants to do something, and the cool part is when Jesus is doing those types of things in people's lives, guess whose frame, fame spreads? Calvary Chapel Orlando's? Nope. Jesus' fame. I always know when the Holy Spirit's working. 
Because all, everybody's talking about Jesus. That's how I know when G, the Holy Spirit's working. That's how I know when God's doing, really doing the miraculous. People are talking about Jesus. People are getting saved. People's lives are changing because they've had a true, real encounter with the living God. Not with some man. I was at a conference recently and some guy got up and they introduced him as pastor so-and-so and he said, well, you know, actually it's doctor so-and-so. I finished my, he's 23 years old. I wanted to take my shoe off and throw it at him. Be like, you're not a doctor, you're a baby. Well, I've spent, you know, five years getting my, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what pieces of paper you have. I would say my name in front of it has, I have, instead of the MD, I have the SD. Medical doctor, mine is stupid. <laughs> to remind myself. I always chuckle when people call me. I have a, a pastor friend of mine. He always calls me Bishop Ramirez on the phone just to annoy me. <laughs> so, you know, I hate that. He goes, yeah, I know. We're just people filled with God's spirit. Therefore, doing the impossible. Clearly, Jesus isn't gonna get any more teaching done with all the chatter. So he heads back to the place he's been staying at in Capernaum. He's staying at Peter's house. He arose, verse 38, out of the synagogue and he entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever and Peter let her die. No, Peter loved his mother-in-law. good man, patient man, even lived with his mother-in-law and still asked Jesus to pray for her, and they besought him for her. A couple things, Peter, James, John, Philip, and Nathaniel are all already following Jesus at this point, already his disciples, probably in the synagogue, probably had seen this happen, this thing where he cast out the demon. At this point, Jesus, we know he's healed the nobleman's servant, yeah, the centurion's servant, he has healed a leper at this point we know of. So Jesus has done the miraculous before, but not on a large scale yet. But there's reason to think, well, man, if he can keep the demons, get the demons out, I mean, he could probably help mom. And so when Jesus comes home, because that's where he's staying, he's staying with Peter and, and his family, come home, they find out she was taken with a great fever. Uh, ancient physicians uh, distinguish fevers into great or small. So the idea is this was a great fever. It means it was a serious illness, a serious concern. That she was taken with it means they were trying to bring the fever down and it wasn't coming down. Everything they had tried had failed. And so they besought him. They requested that he could do something about her situation. And I love Jesus. He comes and he stands over her. That's a, a physician's term that Luke uses here. And like the idea of bedside. I think Matthew tells us he took her hand. He took her hand. He provided that comfort to her before he did anything else. And then he said, it says he rebuked the fever and it left her. And immediately she got up and ministered unto them. She served him dinner. So it's interesting. Again, this word rebuke means to express strong disapproval. Jesus said, this is not part of my plan. When he got home, she had the fever, but it was not part of his plan for it to rage like it had. And so that means nothing could keep it where it was. It had to go away. When he said, it's not part of my plan, get out of here. I am not in approval of this. The fever left immediately. Now, that is very comforting because it shows that there are times that we could experience illness, even something that's just like a bad fever that the Lord can heal us from. But there's also comfort in this. There's comfort in the fact that if you've asked Jesus to heal you of an illness, but it remains, well, then it's because it doesn't meet with his disapproval yet. He's got reasons for why it's still there. You know, we see that Paul left one of his companions sick at Miletus. You think, Paul, why didn't he heal the guy before he left? Well, there was some other purpose or plan that God had. 
And God does that sometimes. Now, you might be thinking, well, Jesus, why would he ever allow or, or why would he ever approve of someone suffering or being in sickness? Well, to be frank with you, that's a topic for a whole month of Sundays, not the next nine minutes. But suffice it to say, 1 Peter 4.19 makes it very clear that there is a suffering according to the will of God. It says in 1 Peter 4.19, it says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. That's what we said here. If Jesus is not in approval of it, it's got to go. But there is a suffering that's according to the will of God. And if you're there, then you need to commit the keeping of your soul to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. So if you've been praying and, and the Lord said, no, not yet, then you just have to commit yourself to the, your creator that knows you, that loves you, and that he's faithful and that he, he is, has purposes and reasons for why you're going through this difficult time right now. But if it's not his will, then trust him for healing. Now, when she gets healed and she's up serving dinner already, as you can imagine, news of this spreads too, and the result is really the first full-scale time where Jesus heals a bunch of people. Verse 40, now that when the sun was setting, and at this point in time, nobody, nobody walked around town after sundown. He just didn't do it. But these folks suddenly had a hope where there'd been no hope before. If Jesus helped Peter's mother-in-law, nobody likes their mother-in-law. No, just kidding. If Jesus helped Peter's mother-in-law, maybe he could help my loved one. And so when the sun was setting, all that had any sick with various kinds of diseases, they brought them unto him and he laid his hands on, on every one of them. And how many did he heal? All of them, every one of them. Not a single person left that was sick, left sick. They all left whole and hale and healed. The Bible lists times where Jesus didn't do healings or miracles but it was in places where the people rejected his teaching. Now, don't listen to a teaching that's out there that someone tells you and goes, well, God can't heal you because of your unbelief. Now, you have not because you ask not. And, and I think a lot of times we just don't even ask the Lord and that's why we don't receive a supernatural work in our lives. I get that. But if you're asking God, it's not like you've got to like strain and be like, I believe, I believe, you know? And, and if you don't get, you know, strong enough in your I believe that God won't heal you because you're just not good enough. That's, that's a legal trip, legalistic trip that God never puts any, on any of us, okay? I always laugh because the pastors you say, you know, well, you don't have enough faith to be healed. Really? The Bible says it's the prayer of faith that faith saves the sick. Apparently the one that have enough faith is you. So quit putting a guilt trip upon them. I always think it's so easy for the guy standing over here to just always have his out. Well, Jesus will heal everybody no matter what. You should never be sick. If you're sick, you're out of the will of God. And then they blame them and say, well, my out because I couldn't heal you is because you don't have enough faith. It's very convenient. Jesus didn't heal in certain places because of their unbelief. Not unbelief in the healings, it's the unbelief in him. Not believing in who he was, not believing in what he was teaching, not receiving the word of God. In other words, because they didn't want who he was. They didn't bring their sick or their demon-possessed to him for help because they didn't believe who he was. But whenever, ever anyone was brought to Jesus for help, the scriptures are clear, every single time he healed them all. He rescued, delivered them all. Now what does that communicate? Well, that communicates that Jesus' desire is to help those who are hurting. I mean, that's what it communicates. Then when he sees someone who's hurting, he wants to help. I've got kids. Most of them are grown. So, you know, if the grown ones come crying, I kind of be like, all right, man, suck it up. But even then, you know, even then, they come in and 
you know, got in a fight with your friend or something like that, you know, and they're kind of heartbroken. I still hold them. I don't look at them and go, come on, you're, you're 16 or you're 20 or you're whatever. Suck it up. I still hold them. I still comfort them. And even my little guys come in and, you know, they poke their head. You know how the kids do it. They poke their head through the, the door. And they're doing it to be noticed, but not to create a distraction because then they might get in trouble. But just enough to be noticed. And of course, your first thought is mom. First thought is mom is, come here, mom. You know, first thought is dad is, you're two hours past your bedtime. What are you doing? You're not three. But then you see the little crocodile tear go down the cheek. Usually, and usually no mom will take them, but they're looking at me. Do I have permission to come into the bed? You know? <laughs> and I look over and you see him sniffling. Like, come on. What happened? I had a bad dream. Then you hold him. And you speak words of comfort to him and you pray for him. You make him laugh again. Remind him that the purple crocodile under the bed can't hurt him. And then you go and carry him back to bed and pray with him again. Why? Because you have compassion on him. They're your kid. You love him. You want to make the tears go away. Don't you think his heart breaks for you when he sees you experiencing pain? When you poke your head in the door and you go, I know I should just trust you with this, but I'm hurting, Lord. Don't you think his heart goes out to you? Don't you think he wants to help? Don't you think his compassion is stirred up as a dad, the perfect dad? Don't you think he wants to stop the pain the enemy is causing to your loved ones who are gripped by the enemy's power? In Psalm 103, verse 13, it says, as a father pities his son, so the Lord pities us. He has compassion upon us. He knows our frame. He knows we're just dust. And so Jesus heals them all every time people are brought to him. Even so much, verse 41, demons also came out of many crying out and saying, you are Christ, the son of God. And he rebuking them, suffered them to not speak for they knew that he was the Messiah. They had their little plan trying to interrupt the, you know, all the miracles Jesus was doing. And he's like, shut up, come out. Setting people free. Well, it was a long night. Longest night probably Jesus had had up to this point in his ministry. So when it was the morning, when it was day, he departed and went into a desert place, an uninhabited area. There's lots of beautiful places around the Sea of Galilee to relax and quiet. My guess is he was spending time with his father to know what the next step was, but whatever the reason he's out by himself, Jesus doesn't remain alone for long. For it says the people sought him in the morning and they came to him and they stayed him. They tried to restrain him or control him or prevent him that he should not depart from them. In other words, Jesus made it clear that he was leaving. He was going somewhere else. But Jesus couldn't stay and just be the spiritual town fix-it guy of Capernaum. Others needed help too. And so he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. For therefore, that's why I'm sent. You know, I could stay here in Capernaum and I could have compassion upon every single person who ever has a, stubs their toe. I can do all that. And I would do all that if I stayed there. But I didn't come to be the town healer. <laughs> I came to preach the gospel. This is the same word that he used when he was announcing that he was the Messiah in Nazareth. It means to announce the good news. He was there to preach the good news of salvation from sin to those who knew they needed it. And everybody needed to hear that. Though Jesus in his compassion healed many, that is not why he came and became a man. He came to announce the awesome offer of salvation from sin and to teach it to everybody. And so he left them and he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. He left them to share that message in all the other synagogues around the sea there. 
And so that brings us to an end of chapter four. Go ahead and read chapter five and next week. I doubt we'll get through the whole thing, but read it all just in case. But you know, just as Jesus wasn't there to destroy that, that man who was opposed to God, didn't care what God thought, was the enemy of God and was possessed by a demon, in the same way Jesus isn't here to destroy anybody today. And Jesus is here to save. The Bible, we talked about how he said he was here to announce that season of grace, that indefinite period where God is extending his grace to anybody who will receive it. And the Lord is doing that today. We're in that season of grace, that period of grace right now. Now, the truth is, I don't know how long that season will last. He is coming back. And when he comes back, it will be to judge the world in righteousness. Those are his words, not mine. And then the season of grace will end. So today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to give your life to the Lord. Today is the day to receive his grace. Won't you receive it? Let's pray. Lord, you know everybody out here today where they're at with you, if they have that relationship with you or maybe they just know about you like that demon-possessed guy or maybe they've been opposed to you, Lord. Maybe there are some here today who've, I don't need God. I'm good on my own. But that was the same attitude that Lucifer had. I don't need God. I can be my own God. I can do things my way. And Lord, we don't, I don't want anyone to leave here today with that mindset, that they don't need you and they'll just live life on their own because the Bible says you are gonna judge the world in righteousness, Lord, and you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're here this morning and you wanna give your life to Jesus, you wanna repent of your sin and follow Jesus, you wanna stop living life your way and you wanna follow him, just lift your hand up because I'd like to pray with you this morning. Every eye closed, every head bowed, just lift your hand up if you want to pray to give your life to, to Jesus today, to follow him. Anybody this morning before we close? Well, Lord, our desire is to follow you. And so we give the rest of this time this morning to have your spirit move, that you might have your way in Jesus' name, amen. And before we stand, just as Jesus had compassion upon the people and he wanted to preach about salvation, he wanted to teach too. And, and I, I trust that that's what he's done already today. But that means he also still has compassion on us and he wants to heal. Because he still wants to do that. And the Bible gives clear instruction on healing in James chapter five, verses 13 through 16. It says this. It says, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Any Mary? In other words, you're not afflicted, you're good? Then let him sing songs. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, it shall be forgiven him. So confess your faults one to another and pray for another. Do this, is what he's saying, that you may be healed. For the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When God does a work, he alone is glorified. The problem in many churches today is the rock star pastor or worship leaders that steal the glory instead of humbly pointing to God. Ministry is all about God. Our very lives should be all about God. He alone has power to rule over the universe. He alone has the power to change lives and make people whole. It is only through the name of Jesus that we can overcome our fleshly desires and sinful nature. The beautiful thing is that all we must do is come and call upon Him. The Bible says, Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Anyone, at any time, in any place, 
can be saved by the precious blood of Jesus. You need only come in belief and ask. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.